Welcome to the 123rd episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studios. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode of the Young Terps Podcast, we're previewing the Maryland Temple game, talking a little bit of Maryland-Penn State news, and of course, all your news on the Terrapin Rundown. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067, or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. On the non-rep report this week, we have some disappointing news, I'd say. First, men's soccer dropped 21 spots in one week to number 24 in the coaches' poll following the UCLA loss last weekend. They host a now-unranked Akron in a rematch of last year's national championship game Friday at Ludwig. Look, it's disappointing, of course, that they dropped that far in the poll, but as I was discussing with uh, Todd a couple weeks ago, it's, this feels like a course correction for me. I don't think they should have been number one to start with. Yeah, uh, they were really number one because they were the, the national champions last year. And, you know, that's why Sasha plays these games. Virginia, obviously a very good team, as always. UCLA, the same. And they just happened to drop these two games. They didn't have a strong start last year, and they're not off to a good one this year. But lots of chances to correct that with the schedule they play. Field hockey lost, sadly, to the Duke Blue Devils, one to nothing. Duke being ranked number two in the poll Sunday in Evanston. They have dropped to number four in the rankings and are traveling to play Towson tonight, which is very odd. Usually that doesn't happen. Friday, the team will face yet another ACC rival in number six, Virginia, in the first match of the Terrapin Classic. On to some women's soccer news. Uh, something we missed last week, woman, a women's soccer goal against George Mason made the SC top ten at number nine. So that's pretty cool. But on the actual um, games front, the team had the first tie of the season last week on the road at George Washington, with the final score being 1-1. One to one. They now sit at 3-2-1. and one. The Lady Chirps will host Temple tomorrow at Ludwig, so this is kind of a, te- a Temple weekend, I guess, at Couch Park. And also goalkeeper Aaron Seppi was named uh, the Big Ten Co-Goalkeeper of the Week yesterday, so pretty good week for the team as a whole, I'd say. Yeah, they. it looks like they've taken a step up since last season. Volleyball has not played since we last aired. The Terps still sit at 4-2 and two and host the Maryland Invite next weekend, starting with Arkansas on Friday. Spring sports news, baseball's incoming freshman class was named 21st in the nation by Baseball America. That's good to see this new coaching staff picking up where the last one's left off. Softball has a new head coach after Julie Wright resigned in August. Maryland has hired Louisiana Tech head coach Mark Montgomery, last season, Louisiana Tech won the CUSA regular season and conference title while Montgomery was named co-head coach of the year. The Bulldogs have made the NCAA regionals two of the last three seasons. In my opinion, a great hire, but we'll have to uh, consult Todd on that one. The Whip Snakes of the PLL, with all those Terps on their roster, have advanced to the championship with a 15-7 win over Chaos. Yep, and some other or some pro chirp news before you really dive into it with um, NFL chirps. Former chirp outfielder Lamonte Wade had both his first hit and RBI in the MLB Saturday for the Minnesota Twins up my way. 
Always great to see Terps making it in the pros. And Bruno Fernando was honored by Mark Turgeon with a plaque in Heist Hallway, honoring Fernando for his first team All Big Ten honor as a Terp. Fernando will now be enshrined as a Terp legend forever in the hall. The most recent honoree before him was Melo Trimble. Look, I know Bruno was only here for two years, but I really feel like he deserves to be honored like this. As do I, and the way college basketball works now, if a guy stays two years and plays like Bruno did, he seems to have a huge impact on these big schools like Maryland. Now on to the Pro Terps in football. We'll kick it off with Quentin Jefferson for the Seattle Seahawks, who had six tackles, two sacks, three tackles for a loss. He will take our Terp of the Week honors. Pete Carroll had a quote on him. He had a terrific game today. It was definitely the best game he's had for us. We needed every bit of it. I Did the Seahawks win? Yes, they did. They beat the Bengals 21-20. to And what was the best game of the week before the uh, Saints-Texans game on Monday? Quinn Jefferson has struggled a little bit to start off his NFL career, but he was phenomenal. Like, I was just watching Red Zone, and he was flashing on the screen, and they were talking like this guy just showed up, basically. He's played a little bit for them, but this is definitely the best game of his career, far and away. Yeah, I think so. On to... I believe they call him the ageless wonder now, Vernon Davis of the Washington Redskins. Four catches for, 15, for 59 yards, including a 48-yard catch and run for a touchdown early on in the game. And an emotional moment from Vernon, who lost, I believe it was his grandfather on Saturday. Uh, he had to be helped off the field. He was overcome with emotions after that amazing catch and run. Of course, he jumped over an Eagles defender, but the Redskins, well... I believe the word you're looking for is completely collapsed. Incompetent just play by the end of the game by both the defense and the offense, but they had their chances in the second half, despite, I believe, only ending the game. Without that last drive for a touchdown, I believe they had 30 yards in the second half. Um, it was something, something like that. Yeah, but it made the Eagles look really good. It was like, I mean, it was just, it wasn't good if you're a Redskins fan, or a Redskins fan, I should say. Uh, we can continue on to Jermaine Carter, who played in 33% of the snaps, and he had a punt block. A uh, good game for Jermaine, who's starting to see more time on the field in his second year. Uh, yep, another trip that Roy stood at was Darnell Savage, the rookie, first-round pick. Played 100% of defensive snaps for the Packers, three tackles. But, man, if you're watching that game, like I assume a lot of you were, first game of the season, he was playing phenomenally out there. He was all over the field. They were talking about him, calling out his name a lot. One thing I did notice, though, is he was throwing number 26 on the field. I thought he changed his number to 21. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed not to see 21 Savage out there for all of you uh, hip-hop fans. But Darnell still repping the 26 like he did at Maryland all up until his senior year when he took on the number 4 for the Terps. Uh, great game. He probably should have had an interception early on, but he looked great starting at safety. DJ Moore for the Carolina Panthers, 7 catches, 76 yards, and a lost fumble. In what was quite the hectic game for the Panthers' offense, especially for their quarterback Cam Newton, Stefan Diggs picked up where he left off last year, but not too strong of a first appearance coming in off an injury, two catches and 37 yards. Yannick Ngakwe down here in Jacksonville in what was a terrible performance for the Jags overall, played in 72.1% of the snaps and had three tackles. And Jordan picked it up with J.C. Jackson. Yeah, J.C. got the start for the Patriots, played 62.7% of the defensive snaps and one tackle. Didn't have a great game according to Pro Football Focus, ranked under 50. I'm sure he'll pick it up. 
Uh, Ty Johnson did make his NFL debut with one carry for six yards. Uh, I guess an acceptable role for a six-round pick. And then four players for the trips got DNPs. Byron Cowart and Josh Woods both got coaches' choice DNPs. Sean Davis was injured, and Darius Kogo will be on IR for the whole season. Yeah, um, solid list of guys. Uh, obviously, got a few guys around the league in practice squads that are looking to make it. It looks like the Steelers could use the help of uh, Derwin Gray. Um, but a solid first week from some of our pro terps. Obviously, Quentin Jefferson, definitely your headline guy after a few years in the NFL. Looks like he's finally settled in to a solid role up there in Seattle. And again, he was our Terp of the Week. Uh, now the current Terps, their players of the week for the Syracuse game on offense was Anthony McFarland, who had three touchdowns. Defense, Keandre Jones, who had two sacks. And special teams, my guy, Jake Funk, out there making plays. And then he did also on offense. Yeah, Jake Funk has is repping Montgomery County out there these days. Um, really is looking at, into the role of special teams ace at this point, though, and something that I think the Terps definitely could use. Yeah, I, I think, and this is kind of out there, but the Terps already have one guy in the NFL. He's on a practice squad this year, Trey Edmonds. He played for the Saints last year, who was solely on the team. He's listed as a running back, but he's solely on the team to play special teams. I think Jake Funk is starting to make his case that an NFL team would either pick him up in free agency or draft him late in the draft solely for special teams. I mean, I think he has great abilities to be a good running back on, like, the tier. Uh, they're called mid-majors in basketball, but I guess mid-majors in football. I think Jake Funk could be a starting back for almost any of those teams. But he's elected to stay in College Park, and he's making his name heard, even though he's not really getting the ball that much. Yep, he is earning his keep, and I think it's time to talk about Temple, because, okay, I'm going to start this off with something else, actually. I am extremely concerned that we're looking ahead to Penn State too much at this point, because if you are on Twitter with, and the Maryland Twitter, like, we're very involved in, it's just people are just focused on this Penn State game. Way too much, in my opinion. I'm not saying the team is, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking ahead a little bit, too. I don't think so. And you know why? Because they got a firm, a lot of these guys got a firm kick in the ass last year from Temple when they thought they were good. Yeah, it's it's impossible to talk about this game without talking about the SmackDown in College Park against Temple last year. Yeah, last year's game against Temple, the Terps lost the game 35-14. for 14. I'm pulling up the stat, 35-14. Pulling out the stats right now, uh, the game started off with a Temple touchdown, a 36-yard pass for Temple. Uh, the Owls raced out to a 14-0 lead before Darnell Savage had a pick six for the Terps. Temple then built their lead to 28-7 and finished off the game with a 78-yard interception return for a touchdown to cap off their 35-14 win against the Terps. Um, Maryland, I believe, um, finding numbers right now, yeah, Kasim Hill, 7 for 17, 56 yards and an interception. Uh, Piggy, 7 yards, he also threw a pick. The Terps gave up 7 sacks in this game. Uh, pretty much the only highlight on offense against Temple last year was Anthony McFarland, who took 11 carries for 109 yards. But it was not a good game from Maryland last year against Temple, and I think that looms large for this team. I don't think and you that. Have to remember, 
last year before the Temple, before they played us, Temple hadn't won a game yet. They were 0 and 2, and they had lost to Villanova and Buffalo. Like they lost to some bad teams, and then they beat us. Yeah, they lost to uh, Villanova on shout-out Elijah Trent. He actually had an interception. A kid that went to Jordan Knights High School had an interception to steal that game for Villanova. They then lost to Buffalo, both of those games, at the link in Philadelphia. Then they traveled down to Maryland, and they stomped on Maryland. They then went on to beat Tulsa. They lost to BC. They would finish off the year with wins over number 20 Cincinnati, they almost beat UCF. They beat Navy. They beat Houston. I mean, they, they finished out the season pretty strong, made it to the Independence Bowl as 8-4 and four team and lost to Duke, capping off an 8-5 and five season last year for the Owls. So that Maryland game was a big turning point for Temple. Uh, so far this year, the Owls come in at 1-0 and off a 56-12 win off the FCS Bucknell. Uh, Jordan, give us the FCS report on Bucknell. Are they any good? No, that's a short answer. They are not very good. They're in the lower tier of the FCS. And as long as we're talking about Temple in this grand scope, you can't shake off their offseason. Um, of course, they hired Manny Diaz, the Miami defensive coordinator. And then four days later, my, Manny Diaz returned as the head coach of Miami, which Temple, to their credit, was very understanding of. They hired Ron Carey, the former NIU head coach. And... I mean, as far as scrambling to find your next coach on such short notice goes, they did a great job with this hire. Um, Carey's crowning achievement at UNI, or sorry, NIU, was um, back-to-back 11-plus win seasons to start his career off. He kind of tapered off since then, but they only didn't make a bowl once in his six years at NIU. That's pretty impressive to me. Yeah, uh, great hire as far as finding guys right before or hiring somebody than having them uh, take on what most would consider a better job, but Manny Diaz is having a rough start to his time at the U. Uh, they found a guy from a program that I honestly considered almost on par with Temple, but uh, the Owls were able to hire him away. Let's talk about this Temple team in their first game against Buffalo. A quarterback that you might remember by the name of Anthony Russo, was 32 for 41 passing for 409 yards, four touchdowns. He did throw an interception. Uh, Their backup quarterback came in. He added another touchdown, leading the Owls to 507 yards passing, five touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Coach Loxley talked about their two long receivers on the outside, and it seems like they uh, have two guys that have taken over their receiving cores, being Brandon Mack and Jaden Blue. They both caught over 100 yards in the win over Bucknell. Jordan, I didn't like the way that Tino Ellis looked on some of the plays, but last week Coach Loxley said you can go back and judge all of those. You can see where the mistakes were made on defense. I think that the Terps coaching staff's got a good message with that whole Temple plays Philly tough. We have to match that. But I'm, 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 I'm a little bit concerned because I think Temple can really air the ball out. Oh, I completely agree that it's not hard to see us sleeping on Temple a little bit, even considering that, yes, Mike Loxley seems to be very good at getting the team ready. And, yeah, a majority of this team got steamrolled by them last year, but Temple looks pretty good. Now, granted, they played one FCS opponent, and it's hard to judge because they lost their coach, they lost a lot of important players, but 
They put up 409 yard passing yards in the first game, 56 points, and they are and have always been very good rushing the passer. And something, if you had to pick one, again, deficiency on Maryland's team right now, you'd pick two areas. you pick the interior of the defensive line, and you pick the tackles, in my opinion. And I think Temple might be able to expose both those areas if they have a good day, or if we have a bad day. Yeah, I was talking about it with Wayne last night, and we were actually talking about the Penn State game, so talking about people who are overlooking Temple. We talked about the Temple game for a while, uh, but... Yeah, no one's ex- tried to run straight at Maryland. And I think that's where somebody could really beat the pants off of the Terps. If you run straight at them, Olu inside, uh, Sam O, Lottez Rogers, uh, Biahad Miller, you know, these guys aren't, they aren't the top tier Terp players. Gaddy, they haven't really showed much on in the interior of that line. I think Temple could take definitely take advantage rolling over the Terps straight up the middle. Another spot that I wanted to hit on was how do you think Maryland's going to handle because Howard you can almost throw out. You know, 79 points is impressive and everything, but it was Howard. Temple last year was able to really be successful on the defensive side of the ball. I know a lot of things have changed for Maryland on the offense, but do you think that Temple's pass rush is going to really be able to make it into the face of Josh Jackson. Well, Rod Carey, again, the coach of Temple, has had some great pass rushing teams at uh, North, Northern Illinois. They had one group of guys, or sorry, two guys back there who had 25 sacks by themselves. Last year, Temple was second in the nation in total defense at third points allowed. Now, they lost a lot of guys to graduating since then. But during six games last year, they gave up three touchdown passes or more. That was their big weakness. If they didn't have that problem, they probably could have got 11-1. The one I'd put in as a loss is probably UCF. Even if their defense was better, you could even make an argument with that one. They lost their two top defensive backs, which was already a problem for them last year. That was the only weakness on their defense was they didn't have great pass coverage all the time. But they have a Baylor transfer, Harrison Hand, in the mix as their new number one corner. They are lacking talent in the defensive end. But even still, I just feel like Maryland should be able to out-talent them. We have so much speed and so much just ability to get to the outside now. With Josh Jackson as a quarterback, things seem to be going very well. But I can't shake the feeling that Temple is a team we should be scared of. And also, historically, we should be. Because I, just, I looked this up when we were... Um, talking just now maryland historically is seven and two against temple however they have lost them twice in the last decade so if you look at it trends wise uh, things may not be going super well for the church against temple yeah just some quick uh 2019 preview number numbers on temple uh sb nation has them projected overall rank the 66th best team in the country the temple offense 83rd the defense 47th uh, they're projecting them around seven and a half wins. But here's something to look at. In the preseason, based on the S&P of college football, they have Temple with a 56% win probability against Maryland. They think that in the preseason, it looks like the uh, numbers pointed towards Temple being able to take down the Terps. Now, though, 
I'm trying to find the ESPN Power Index preview for this game really quickly. I think that that's changed a little bit with the way the Terps have performed in these first two games. I would definitely agree. I think everything has changed from Maryland in the last two games, and that's something worth talking about in itself. In these last two games, Maryland has changed from a team that people didn't give a crap about to one of the more talked-about teams in college football, and that is incredible over two weeks. And if you win this week, as we keep saying, it's a big if still. Like, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if you do win this week, you are going to have two weeks of straight hype going into Penn State. National-level hype, especially if you beat Temple soundly, which I would not guarantee in any stretch. I, as you'll see in my prediction later, I think it's going to be a close game. But if you beat them, let's say you beat them by two touchdowns, the hype for Temple, Penn State is going to be out of control. It might be the most hype Maryland game in decades. And it's all changed because of two weeks of football, which is something that... Well, no, wait, hold on. It'll believe. be three weeks. It'll be three weeks at that point. Okay, it would be three weeks at that point. But even now, it's just something I can't believe how much the opinions have changed. Because if even if you're Temple, I don't know how you wouldn't be sh- really excited to play Maryland starting the season. You beat the, You kicked our teeth in last year. They're a power five opponent. They're playing in your stadium, although I expect a pretty good Maryland presence there. Now, I from I was reading some Temple coach quotes earlier, and he was just talking about Maryland's speed on the outside and how they could possibly limit that. And he was even praising our defense, saying that because the secondary has looked so good, which I don't really know about. But well, they have. The pass they, to be to be fair, I point out a select number of plays where it looked like Maryland's secondary was exposed. But Syracuse was considered a passing team, even though they really, from Tommy DeVito, has not been good this season. But, yes, continue. That Maryland can rush the passer because they, their outside linebackers can do it, and their pass coverage can hold up. It was nothing but praise for the Terps, and it's just, I can't believe how much narrative has changed in the last two weeks. I really can't. Yeah, and let's talk about some other headlines in that narrative. Let's start off with... The student request tickets for Penn State, now 13,000, have been requested for this game. And the Maryland student capacity is only 10,000. This is only the, I believe it's the third, either the third or the second time that this has happened since Maryland instated the student lottery. I think it's the second, but that's regardless. It's It's the third time. West Virginia, I believe in 2002, or either Clemson or West Virginia in 2002, and then... It's Clemson in 2002 and West Virginia in 2007, and now this Penn State game in 2019. But Can bring the bleachers back. Yeah, I think they should. I think they should just hand the student tickets. Because if you look on UM Terps right now at this Penn State game, there are great tickets available for less than you can find them on the secondary market. If you're a Maryland fan, please, I don't even care if you go to the game, buy the tickets so Penn State fans don't. Show up for this game. But back to the Temple game, I think Temple's got a lot to play for. I think there's going to be a good crowd out there. I heard around 35,000 attending this game. I know Ben Page and the Old Line Tailgating Club have a huge tailgate going up at the Link pregame. They have buses going up there. There are still spots available on buses leaving from Frederick, uh, Glen Burnie, White Marsh, and College Park. If you want to head up to the game, that's transportation up there and back. They have the tailgate. They have a block of tickets in the club level. I think that they are out of at this point. They got 200 tickets. So shout out to Ben for bringing up a lot of Maryland fans, getting them up there to Temple to support the Terps. 
I think uh, in the Maryland section, they've sold 500 tickets. So they're going to be a good amount of Terp fans up there. I'm thinking around 2,000. But there's there's a lot of concern that you've brought up for this game. I think the Temple defense is good. Uh, Jordan, let's get to our predictions. Jordan, kick it off. Um, I'm going to say this is going to be more offensively slated than you might imagine. I'm going to say Maryland puts up 38. I'm going to say we win 38-28 against Temple. I think it's going to be close. I think the Terps are going to pull away towards the end. But expect this game to scare you. That's what I'll say. I don't expect this game to scare me. Also, I will be heading up to the Temple game, and I will be on the official Maryland Sports Radio Network post-game show. Wayne was on there last week after the Syracuse game. I will be taking over his spot on the Maryland Sports Radio Network post-game show. I think, depending on when the game's going to end, last week it was on about uh, Wayne kicked it off around 420. So I'm going to say around that same spot, make sure to tune into that to hear me on the Maryland Sports Radio Network show. I, we will also have videos from Coach Loxley and the players provided after the game up on TerpTalk.com post-game. And now for my prediction, I think the Terps take it to Temple early, just like they have against Syracuse and Howard, jump out to, uh, I'm going to go with a 17 to nothing lead. Temple gets two scores to pull it to 17 to 14, but then the Terps are just too much as the game goes on. Maryland 38, Temple 24. So we're both predicting much closer games in the past two weeks. Yep, and I think there will be a good game to get out there and see. Next week is a bye week, which means we get some extra episodes to play around with. And I think at least one of them we should probably just think about. If we win, we could take it some time to reflect on how bizarre this season has started. Yeah, and if we win, and make sure to hit us on Twitter about this idea at YoungTurp1, we might just have to do take calls throughout our show about fan opinions about how the season's kicked off and what they think for the Penn State game. Uh, maybe let a little Penn State hate feud out on this show once we have some bye week time to play with. But we'll See, have to go I had with... the opposite idea. I wanted to have a Penn State expert come onto the show and we could talk about it with them. But whatever the case is, we can figure it out. And if you guys have suggestions, please hit us up at YoungTrip1 on Twitter, as Mason said. Yeah, and... You know what? Maybe maybe the Penn State expert's not a bad idea, but you know the Nittany Lions have some big games too. I think they're taking on their other not our rival team in the Pittsburgh Panthers this week in uh, State College, and then I think they might even have another challenging game after that. Uh, let me I'm look. checking now. You, I know you're right about the um, Penn State game against Pitt this weekend. That should be a blowout, though. In my opinion, at least. It should be. Let's see what actually happens. And, you know, Pitt did beat Penn State two years ago. That is true. That is something we can't forget. Um, Penn State is playing... Nope, they have next week off, too. They're playing Maryland as their fourth game, and just like we're playing Penn State as our fourth game. All right. But this week, we have business to take care of in Philadelphia against the Temple Owls. Could be a close game, could be a blowout. Nobody really knows that much about Temple because they beat Bucknell. They've only played one game. You know, they beat Bucknell 56-12. to I've always liked this Temple program. They've obviously had a lot of success, as many Terp fans sadly know, over the past 10 years. They played an undefeated game against Notre Dame a few years ago. They've, they've had a lot of success, a lot of coach turnover, though. 
from you know Matt Rule to Steve Adazio to um, Rod Carey. Yeah. Well, no, there who's the last Jeff Collins, oh, Jeff their Hines. last co- co- coach that's now at Georgia Tech. Um, just a great program that's really been through a lot, and they know how to pick coaches. And this could be a statement win for their new head coach, Rod Carey. The man from NIU, Eric Temple, may have the best success ratio of pitching coaches in the country. They picked three winners in a row. This could be number four. We'll see. But Or maybe it will right. go the other way. You know, maybe it will go the other way and this guy won't really pan out for them. But I guess I Saturday shows a huge hand because Temple fans are expecting a fairly another around eight, seven, eight, nine win season. And this is a huge game for both programs. Maryland finally trying to get that one last win before they host a huge home game. And Temple trying to come out and show that they're still one of the toughest teams to play against in America. If the Terps win, we'll have a huge week coming up. But, of course, win or lose, we'll both be in Maryland. Jordan heading up to the NDSU-Delaware game in Delaware. That's a big game. Uh, We'll both be in Maryland to record the podcast on Saturday night or Sunday morning. I'm looking forward to catching back up with you, Jordan, in person. Yeah, it should be fun. Got a good weekend of games here. And go Terps. Hope we win and hope we have a very fun build-up to Penn State. And go Bison. Beat Delaware, even though Delaware is kind of one of my favorite FCS teams. But but not as much as your uh, NDSU Bison. <laughs> I don't mind if you root for Delaware. Root for the underdog a little bit. But it should be fun. It should be get out there. Be our first NDSU road game. And a good one, a top 25 matchup. Delaware comes in, I think they're 21, aren't they? No, no, they're number 18 in the poll. Yeah, so Delaware's looking good again, finally. It's been a while for them. So Jordan heading out there to the Delaware NDSU game, and I will be up there in Philly. Make sure to tune in to all of the postgame coverage on TurfTalk.com, and make sure to look for me on the Maryland Sports Radio Network on the postgame show with Mike Pompeo. And... Catch up with us on this podcast for our post-game coverage of the Temple. Look back at the game, and then hopefully look forward to two undefeated teams. Well, maybe not two undefeated teams. And now, well, keep our, undefeated. okay. Keep, so keep hold on, undefeated. hold on. In our in our like little end here, kind of like off-topic conversation. If Maryland wins, are you rooting for Penn State to still be undefeated come Friday night yes. in two weeks? No question. Yes. Absolutely no doubt in my mind. So hopefully we get an undefeated matchup to talk about coming up in College Park between the Terps and the Nittany Lions. But first off, time to stomp out the Owls in Philadelphia. If you can make it up to the game, I hope to see you there and support the Terps. Buy your tickets to the Penn State game now because if the Terps take down Temple, I'm sure the game will be sold out probably by Tuesday of next week. Uh, Go Terps. Support our team on Saturday. And as always, thanks for listening.